when I was a boy, I saw ghosts, lots of them, tipping chairs, animating stuffed animals to wink and blink at me, glowing heads floating around in search of their bodies. Maybe because the attic door was in my bedroom, maybe because I was born with certain gifts. Yes, I was that young and quiet boy in the extra small turtleneck and prescription lenses, lingering too long while locked in the gaze of a woodland creature. There's one in every class. But they chose me, and these spirits that I speak of used to only appear to me in the middle of the night, those darkest of hours before the first tendrils of light would warp and weft around the treetops in the thick, dense woods behind our home. It was this moment that I became aware of another realm, a place where past and present merge, where the future can be seen, where our senses are enhanced and secrets can be revealed. Years later, I would hone my gifts, and I found that I was able to open a portal to that realm, to this place, the Deep Night. Welcome. I'm so pleased to be with you, or perhaps inside you, if you're listening to me through some kind of telephony and earbud contraption. Uh, perhaps I'm riding with you on your way to work. Is there a person nearby frantically tapping on their phone? They may be trying to access the deep night. Is there someone in the wrong shoes? They may be a spirit. Sometimes they try their hand at midday hauntings, but they're notoriously bad with footwear. Do they have bright white sneakers? That's a ghost. Yes, on this program at this late hour, we find humor in the darkest places. And this is the darkest of places. For in the darkness all can be illuminated. I read that in my witchcraft kit for beginners. Yes, we focus on the dark arts, the dark art of comedy, as practiced by individuals, rogues, rapscallions, and raconteurs in basements and bars and back rooms of places used for other things. We also find comedy bubbling through in the work of death activists and hosts of shows about dating and musicians and writers for shows that help us comprehend and manage our existence through ominous political moments. In other words, these are dark fucking times, so let's find a way to get through it. Now don't worry, I put a fiver in the swear jar. I know my wife Galinda doesn't like it when I swear, and neither do I. But after ten seasons of this program... And welcome to the tenth season of Deep Night. I find myself having run out of words sometimes to describe this moment that we're in. Hello, I'm Dale Shiver, your host, conjurer, and companion through the Deep Night. Maybe you've attended one of our Healing Warlock workshops this summer, or maybe you recently purchased a diffuser with my face on it through our Essential Oils online store. Thank you for becoming a distributor yourself. Or maybe you caught me briefly on HBO's hit series, Crashing! However you've arrived, I'm happy you're here, and we have a positively epic tenth season in store for you. I think you'll find that this show is like an audio edition of Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop newsletter as penned by H.P. Lovecraft, or like Charles Kuralt on Sunday morning, where the Sunday is Thursday and the morning is midnight, and instead of a bow tie, he's wearing long robes and chanting over a fire pit. Like that, straightforward, designed with millennials in mind. Welcome, millennials. Today, let's start the season. Let's do it 
it right now. Let's not wait any longer. Let's reach out with our astral hands after some careful mystic moisturizing, also available on our online store, and turn the great wheel of the door that leads beyond the antechamber here, beyond the lobby, and further into the great expanse of the deep night proper for a conversation with the very funny Jackie Cation. Now, she's seasoned at finding comedy in some dark places, as we discussed. Now, you know Jackie from her many stand-up appearances. She's based in L.A., so when I heard she was going to be in New York, we made the most of it. And we grabbed a few moments together as summer began to wane. Jackie's new album is called I Am Not the Hero of This Story, and it's available everywhere, wouldn't you know? Including iTunes, where it's been atop the charts for many weeks. It's a fine album that I enjoyed immensely, and we talk a lot about moments from that set, uh, from from that uh, experience, that recording, uh, as I found much to identify with in Jackie's personal and honest comedy. She's also been on Lady Dynamite on Netflix with Maria Bamford and on Marin on IFC. And how am I just discovering this now? Is this true that she was on an episode of Murphy Brown? Well, I wish we talked about that. Now I'm going to have to go and comb through all of my Murphy Brown DVDs. Ah, well, uh, 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 let's save that for another time because right now I want to go into the deep night for my conversation with Jackie Cation. Jackie Cation, welcome to New York, and welcome to the deep night. How are you? The deep, deep night. I'm good. Yes. Good. Yes. I got a lot of beverages. People you do? should know. You're working with some caffeine and non-caffeine. Right. I, I have a drinking problem, you guys, and so I like to have it all lined up. I got a little Fiji water, and I got some coffee. Listen, so you like that Fiji water? That's the best water. It is the best water. People in Fiji running out of water. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> That's right, but mm-hmm. we're having it. <laughs> Exactly. I think it's all because of the bottling. Like, they could put tap water in these bottles, and it would look great. That's true. It's a square bottle. It's a good-looking bottle. It's square. It's got a nice clarity to it. Let's discuss the Fiji bottle and how great it is. Jackie, uh, you're here in New York uh, having a good time doing some shows. The last time we saw each other was in a lobby in a hotel out west. Japantown. In Japantown. uh, San Francisco Sketchfest. That's right. Did you have a good festival? I did have a good festival. Janet Varney, uh, a delight. Always. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I've been to, like, probably seven festivals since that one. So I do like a comedy festival, though. It was some time ago. It was, it was about a year ago. So I think I've been to Winnipeg twice. Oh, my goodness. Uh, How's been... that? Is it nice up there? Oh, it is. I, I like Winnipeg. I don't know that I would like it in February for, you know, more than a four days. but Because um, it's intense. It's it's like Minneapolis. It's like any. It's like Madison, Wisconsin, where you're like, Oh, people are nice, but uh, the wind will cut you in half that's right. and count the rings. But that's also that's where you're from, in a sense, isn't it? Right, I mean, right. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin, Wisconsin Minnesota. So, but I live in I've lived in Los Angeles for so long that I'm like, no, no. I I value all the different kinds of weather. <laughs> I value not having to fight some of it. I'm that's good. Right. I'm all right with it. That's right. Well, uh, uh, di- by the way, did you get to the sushi place across the from the from the hotel? I never did. Oh. Good times. Good times. Okay. If we're both there, I'm doing the same, San Francisco. If we overlap, yeah. Let, let's let's try try I'm and go there. Doing San Francisco Comic Con next uh, two weekends. Oh, in fun. Two weekends, and then I'll stay to Mill Valley to do Throckmorton. Do you know Throckmorton? Uh, I, I don't, but I know there? Mill Valley. That's where my couple's uh, counselor was for a oh. long time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where they belong. <laughs> With my first wife. What a time we had. <laughs> 
exploring our boundaries above a Safeway supermarket. Uh, that's lovely. There's a Punjabi burrito place that I enjoy a great oh, deal. Well, things are really it's, coming up in Mill Valley. So, yeah, what they do is they take a naan, they put Indian food in it, they wrap it up burrito style, and yeah. they say, yeah, you can call it a burrito. Go for it. Yeah. And, uh, and so it came to pass. Uh, it's really good, but uh, Mill Valley is essentially... If, if people have been to Mill Valley, then they'll know that it is essentially the set to Gilmore Girls <laughs> yes. that uh, is real life. It's it's a, like a little Connecticut village, but nestled in, in, the, in the mountains of San Francisco. With lovely redwoods all around. So many elderly white people and their dogs right. uh, who I, need massages. I'll tell you this, too. A lot of hot tubs. Oh, really? Very vibrant hot tub community There's a there. vibrant... Yeah. Hot tubs have always creeped me out. Uh, I, I, the thing is, is I was just in Iceland for a week. Yes, and that whole place is a hot tub. The place is sitting on top of a volcano, so they don't like all of their electricity is geothermal, so awesome. it's free, except for that they have, of course, the processing and the and the the dis- distribution. Yes. So, but because of the fact that it's six months of winter and six months of summer, and we were there. Uh, the first week of August, and it never got below, above 55 degrees. So welcome to Iceland. Yeah, see, I could do that. Uh, could you? I could. Okay. I was up in Alaska not long ago. Oh, I loved it. Because of that same thing, nice Where and cool. Uh, in Anchorage, and then we went down to Seward okay. uh, and did the bay. Okay. Oh, have you done it, Jackie? Have you been up I, there? I've been to Alaska. I've been to Fairbanks. Oh. And I've been uh, to what I want to do. It's one of the only cruises I've ever wanted to be on, which yeah. is that thing between Anchorage and Vancouver, where you and then you go up and see the what's left of the glaciers. Yep. Yep. Retreating. But I have not been. Well, it's lovely. Now's the I'm time. A, now's the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't, don't wait. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't sleep on those glaciers. TikTok. <laughs> well, what I wanted to say, though, yeah. going back to our, our hotel lobby experience, yeah, yeah. which uh, obviously left a big impression on me, yeah. but I wanted to say it was so kind. Uh, you know, it's just something that's rare in this business of show that we're in to extend a kindness and say, hey, how you doing? Come on over, sit down. Because I spent, I've been to that festival five times. Most of the time, I uh, ride in the elevator with comics like you, yeah. comedians that I admire, yeah. and I don't say a word. And we just ride silently down the three <laughs> floors. <laughs> and then they get off, and they don't say anything, I don't say anything, and that, that's how it goes. Did I say hi? Yes. Oh, good for me. Yeah, it was very nice. That's, that You know, I went to a party the other day. An old friend of my husband's uh, is a horror writer, uh-huh. uh, which means... I am sorry, Maria Alexander. I will never read your book because <laughs> I'm sure it is scary. But she's gotten some. She's been getting some good traction and accolades and stuff. Yes. So if you do like horror, feel free to read Mr. Wicker. Something, by the way, I don't even want to sit on. Uh, much less read a book about a dude made out of it. No. So uh, they must sell that at Pier One. <laughs> exactly. And so we went to. It was a lovely sort of gathering, right? Yes. And and she is a really nice woman. She's hilarious and awesome and collects swords. And um. And her and her husband are great. But uh, so we're sitting around, and it's sort of a real eclectic, and nobody's talking. Like, they're only talking to the people they know. Well, the only people I know are my husband, and who I love dearly, who I could have talked to at home. And then Maria and her husband, and they're, you know, my, you know, milling around their friends. And so we're all sitting, and there's like the silence. And so I said, so are you all horror writers? What's happening? And it led to a great conversation because two people away from me was a lady who was like, no, I, I've a, and then there was this pause and she goes, I'm a director. 
And I said, neat. What do you, uh, and she was like, I direct Lifetime movies. I can't really, it's a lot. And I laughed <laughs> so hard because I was like, Lifetime movies? Oh, I have friends who freaking love Lifetime movies. Sure. Like, especially those Christmas, oh. idiot Christmas ones yeah. that are, yes. there's 30 days of Beast. of one, I fell in love with my dog, met, helped me meet my girlfriend kind of thing. <laughs> right. And also the, uh, the guy in town who looks like Santa <laughs> actually is Santa. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're just a thousand. Like, Hallmark has all the romance ones, and Lifetime has the romance ones. And I read romance novels. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to, why, who am I, who am I trying to impress here? I'm, I'm certainly not alone. It's a billion dollar industry. Um, <laughs> yes, and I'm already on board. So and you're on terrific. board, so can't possibly. <laughs> and if you're reading a Jack Reacher novel, you don't have a leg to stand on, my, my, my fellow compatriot. Mm -hmm. uh, I've read six Jack Reacher novels in the last year. Yes. Because I did a, my, I have a podcast called The Dork Forest. Yes, yeah, we'll, we'll sure. talk about it, but and, yes, of course. But Al Madrigal came on. One and of the greatest. One of the greatest. He's yeah. such a great comic yeah. and such a nutbag, man. Yes. Have you heard that shrimping bit of his? <laughs> it's about him leaving shrimp yeah. all over his daughter's yes. dance studio, and you're like, what's happening? Have you got to get some, you got to go to Bill Valley, Al. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, he's been. <laughs> Al's been up there. <laughs> and uh, so... Um, but his his new thing, his new dorkdom, is um, Jack Reacher novels. Ah. He says he's been trying to figure out how to relax more. And I was like, please do. Please do, <laughs> my love. Because I do. I love the guy like a brother. And uh, uh, so he um, he brought me one. And then I found out that my mother's-in-law uh, have been reading them. So they just keep funneling. And I'm like... Now these are these are cowboy books set in the current times, and he is a <laughs> a retired MP, like an, 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 an army MP guy. Yes, and uh, I don't know if you know anything about Jack. Richard. I know nothing about it other than I've seen the, the seen the thing, the poster or something right. for it. There's He's, a movie. This is a guy. He is not looking for trouble, Dale. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, he is just a guy. He's trying to mind his own business. But does trouble find Sometimes him? Sometimes there is injustice, and oh. he witnesses it. And this is not, it cannot be uh, stood for. you got to stand up. And, of course, Jack Reacher is correct. When there is injustice, you have to get in the way of bad behavior. Yes. Uh, and it is uh, imperative in these day, in this day and age as well. But what I do love about Jack Reacher is that Jack, he's just trying to, you know, he's just hitchhiking around. Yeah. He's got a toothbrush and an ATM card. That's his entire plan. I spent a summer <laughs> like that myself. Uh <laughs> There you go. <laughs> That's not too unlike the the Santa impulse in some of those Lifetime movies. Too, exactly. Too. Yeah, he's just, just a... He's there. He's got the beard. Well, my goodness. If two, <laughs> right. And two young six... lovers happen to be there, he's got to put them together. <laughs> right. And Jack Reacher's six foot five. So when you see the movies with Tom Cruise, <laughs> who is, who is I, five foot five. Well, and, on a good day. <laughs> uh, right. Well, and I mean, the weird thing is, is like, I didn't mind the movie. It was, I saw one on a plane, which is the way really to see them. So, yeah. And because That's how I saw Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. As intended. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia. They're in front of you in four inch by three inch. <laughs> but the forced perspective yes. of a five foot five guy playing a six foot five guy is sort of like walking <laughs> through downtown Disneyland. And uh, because like all the buildings, I don't know if you've, they're at 75% so children yeah. don't get intimidated. Right. So <laughs> everybody Tom Cruise fights has to be. Also tiny, <laughs> like just tiny buff guy, because he's tiny buff guy, yeah. and he must fight other tiny buff guys. That is the whole plan, because there can't be an apple box everywhere. So, no. 
that's right. That's why he does so much leaping, isn't it? There's a lot of leaping. There's a lot of leaping in the Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> There's he's a often great deal jumping, of jumping or dangling. Yes. A lot of dangling, so you see him from above. That is interesting. Mm, I think we're getting to something. Are, and I would I would like to be uh I'd like to say for the record, short guys, I'm on I've I've always been in favor of a tiny buff dude, quite honestly. No problem. Uh yeah, I in college they were my favorite dudes, yeah. which is such a weird like I never thought I had any you know how like you go through life and you're like well i don't have a type and i certainly don't like my husband isn't tiny buff dude at all he's probably 5 10 and very thin very handsome i enjoy him yes, he's a perfectly nice yes. man it's all working out for me uh, but when i look back at the dudes that i was attracted to they were either like there, I there was a time when I went for like a Michael Nesmith kind of guy, oh, uh-huh. kind of a Crow Magnum kind of look to him, <laughs> and um, and then other words it was tiny buff dudes. So like tall guys that are super handsome, I was like, oh, there's trouble. Yeah, that guy's got too much going for him. Sequence. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, that I don't even know how to talk to that guy. It's true. We do end up having a type when we look back. You know, I used to think, well. Uh, uh, I don't. I'm same same kind of thing. Right, I, I like all. I date all kinds of women. Well, as it turns out, they were mostly Jewish women and mostly in trouble. Oh, <laughs> oh, hello, <laughs> not fixer man. Not necessarily the same uh, physically. No. But, uh, oh, oh, it was it was more of a psychological. More profile. psychological. <laughs> Devout Judaism or more secular? Oh, more secular, okay, I think. Excellent. But often I'd think, oh, this is great. They have a job, and then they would lose the job, and then it was all on me. <laughs> Well, here I go again. <laughs> that is very funny. You know, when I uh, when I met my husband, he had this great job at Sony PlayStation, and he's always had a great attitude towards money, which is um, it's going to be fine. <laughs> that's his. That's his. His very much his middle aged white guy kind of attitude, and it's great because his father told him when he was a kid one of the great pieces of advice that a father should always tell a child, which is. Never work for a living. Huh. Eventually, they will pay you to do what you want to do anyway. That's great. Which, you know, it doesn't mean don't get a job. It just means <laughs> don't sweat it. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. And and his father worked uh, for American Airlines until he, got, he was a navigator and he got bored. And so I think he got... He got bored or he had a spur in his, his ankle or something. I don't not, know. There not was, during a flight, hopefully. No, no. Yeah. I think it was, uh, yeah, he didn't get bored during. And then, but he, when he, he passed away, and he had uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. But um, he, he, the last 15, 20 years of his life, he trained bird dogs for field trials on horseback. So he had a horse. Well, that's a, a lot. half of, a dozen that's dogs. That's a lot of animals. And like six acres of land next to a national forest in Arkansas, where he grew his pot. So, turns out Clyde Ashcraft lived his dream yeah. those last 20 years. <laughs> he had and it figured like, out. <laughs> God bless you, man. You got it going on. I'm sure he met Jack Reacher. I don't know if you've ever been to Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas is one of the ones I have not been to. Arkansas is gorgeous. Yeah. it's uh, Outside of Hot Springs, there is a national park, and um, and the little town that he lived in was is, and his wife still lives there on that land, uh, is Mount Ida, and um, it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been on the earth. And I have been, I've seen the Great Barrier Reef, I've been to Iceland, <laughs> I've been to Ireland, right? I've been to Iraq. Iraq, mm, there's trouble there. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's very pretty when there isn't a 25 year war going on. <laughs> right. And because uh, I saw a lot of rubble. So. 
Yeah. There got to be some reason why people went there in the first place. Well, Kuwait, uh, I don't think it's ever been good looking. No. Uh, I've been to Kuwait, <laughs> and uh, I was told by the people who lived in Kuwait, they said, you know, until they found oil here, this was the plot of land that you had to get over because yeah. there's no water in Kuwait. So if you drill for water, you will hit oil first. I was just uh, realizing that I I've never been uh, to Dubai, but I've watched the Apple TV screensaver so many times now, <laughs> I feel like I know the city. <laughs> right. I've never been to Dubai either. I'm okay not going to Dubai. I mean, I've been to an Applebee's. It's, uh, I, I feel like Dubai is like a very fancy Applebee's. Endless mozzarella sticks. Right. It's just like, <laughs> exactly. Oh, look, there's a Cinnabon next to this Applebee's. I'm done. Well, speaking of the travel bit. Yeah. Uh, you uh, you mentioned you'd been to Ireland and Iceland. That's recently. Mm -hmm. uh, you are yourself half Irish, half Armenian. Yes. And so did you feel a pull of the Celtic magic that Celtic so, magic. so often happens for those of us with Irish not. blood? I did not. I was, so, I, uh, weirdly <laughs> straight, enough. Straight up. Nothing. Nope. Do you feel anything I, when you're there? I, well, the weird thing is, is like I feel like... Here's what I feel now when I travel is like I want things to be more foreign. <laughs> they are not. Oh, I go to a large city in another country and I'm like, oh, look, it's another large city. And I'm part of me is enormously relieved. Like the accidental tourist inside of me is like, oh, thank God. I can and, get around. Uh, I English is everyone else's first language as well. Fantastic. And um <clears throat> We did go out into the into the hinterland of both Ireland and Iceland, yeah. and then there was some there was some foreignness to it, and there was some some local flavor to it. It was great. Um, my my Irish ancestry is is in is pretty intense. My grandparents were both from Ireland uh, on my mother's side, but my mother died when I was seven, and her family cut us off entirely. So oh, really? uh, yeah, so we never even really addressed it. They they were not not uh, not my well father liked. is a piece of work. Oh, I see. Uh, so he, he was the uh, in, well. It's hard to talk to my dad <laughs> unless you uh, are directly related to him and are like, well, he is the only father I have. So uh, <laughs> I love my dad yeah. mostly so that nobody else has to. <laughs> and um, but the yeah, so we didn't yeah, so we didn't keep in touch with them. So my Irish, like. It's it's so funny because we were told when we were kids that we were um, half Armenian, a quarter Irish, and a quarter Norwegian. Oh. And uh, when I lived in Minneapolis for seven, six or seven years, uh, I leaned on the, the Norwegian thing a lot sure. more. And then I was recently, because I'm the youngest of six, I was recently talking to other family members like my siblings, and they were like, yeah, no, they, grandma, uh, my, my grandmother Ryan, um, was adopted by a Norwegian family from Ireland. I see. So she is not of of Norwegian ancestry at all. She is more Irish. <laughs> and then she married uh, um, a guy named Ryan, who was also super Irish. Yes. And um, but I yeah, but it was like I I loved Ireland. Was gorgeous. It was beautiful. But Supposed people, to be beautiful. Yeah. Yes. And people are like, would you want to live there? And I'm like, no. No, I, I'm happy where I <laughs> How am I going to do stand-up in Ireland? <laughs> Why are people always pushing that? <laughs> do you think you could move? Could you uproot your entire life? I don't want to ever move. I never. We Moving's moved so worst. much when I was a kid. It's the worst. It's right. It's like that's why I admire immigrants so much because and why immigrants clearly nobody wants to immigrate. 
It's not like someone is sitting on a pile of Scrooge McDuck money right. thinking to themselves, you know what I want to do? Start over. That's insanity. <laughs> right. Let's move all my stuff. I don't even want, like when I'm, when we bought uh, Andy, when I first met Andy, my husband, uh, he, uh, we went out. We were going out for probably a little bit less than a year. And he said, you know, I want to buy a house. And I was thinking about, I would love for you to help me pick it. And we then we would move in together. And I was like, What's, what's happening? Because yeah, uh, I don't know anything about being in a relationship. <laughs> I take it you like me. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I had a small panic attack. And he was like, it's going to take us six months to find a house. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. And then when we finally, and I, then I was like, well, I'd have to get rid of my apartment. And I was thinking, I was thinking of keeping my apartment or maybe subletting it in a mad about you kind of Seinfeld kind of way. You know yeah. that uh, Paul Reiser's apartment yes. was rented by Kramer? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're in the same universe. <laughs> Mad About You and, and and Seinfeld and Friends, they're in the same universe. Whoa. Yeah. You mean like a, a, a All in the Family uh, yeah. mod Jefferson's, kind of uh, yeah. Jefferson's way? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so Kramer had Paul Reiser's old apartment, and he kept it in New York. Uh-huh. And so I was thinking of keeping, because my apartment was $450 a month with off-street parking in Los Angeles. And it was a one-bedroom. And uh, to this day, I... There's part of me that regrets it, and there's another part of me who likes my marriage. Uh, because Andy was like, you can. It seems like you're not really committing to this, rela- but you, yeah, of course you can do that. And I was like, oh, I'll get rid of it. And uh, so I got rid of it. But um, when we when we found the house and moved into it, I was like, this is a great house because it's one floor. Mm-hmm. And it's a two-bedroom, one-bath, ticky-tacky. Uh, it's a tract house from 1951. Yeah, perfect. It looks like the house is on a Monopoly board, yeah. right? So <laughs> right. Um, I was like, this will be perfect for us to grow old and die in because <laughs> that's what you want when you're 70 is a house that is one floor, right? Yes, yes. And uh, he was like, wow, uh, <laughs> we are in for the duration in this house. I was like, oh, I'm never moving, so don't don't even sweat it. Don't even worry. Well, we learned that you're good at picking up signals. And you're good, good, good at then projecting uh, from there. Sure. So relationship expert achieved, well, I'd say. We went to visit his family, and, and his entire family was like, What are you guys going to get married? We just bought, we had just closed on the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went to Mississippi to visit his entire family, lives in Mississippi, except for his mom lives in Central California. But. They're all from this tiny town outside of Tupelo. And so we went, and for the entire week that we're there, every, like all his aunts and cousins are like, so are you guys going to get married? When are you guys going to get married? And so, and I don't know how to ask, how are we going to get, are we going to get married? Because uh, I had not never had a relationship before. <laughs> so we, when we moved back to, when we came home, and we moved in together, essentially. We were sitting on a couch in the living room. And I said, Andy, you ever think about the future? <laughs> That's how I decided Smooth. to <laughs> Right. And he looks at me with just like the <laughs> smile on his face. And he goes, like having a 30-year mortgage with somebody, that kind of future. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that'll do. That's fine. And then like two months later or whatever, he asked me to marry him. Because yeah. he had already known, but he was having uh, my engagement ring made. Yes. That, that's so. why you don't ask the question. Are we getting married? Right. <laughs> I don't know why, because it would have been weird, right? For, yes, yes, it would have. It would have made things uncomfortable. Plus, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. So I'm supposed you have, to. You, there has to be a little uh, a patience trust or, and patience. Right. And I was like, we're we're already living together. We have a house together. 
it isn't broken. Don't try to fix it. That's right. It's, That's uh, right. There's no rush at this point. Right. Well, uh, one of the things uh, that this ties into, I believe, yeah. and uh, let me just uh, set it up a little bit, in that uh, you host, of course, you're a podcasting pioneer. Yes. Now in your 11th, Ground floor. 11th year. 11th year of the Dork Forest. Congratulations. That's Thank a, you. That's a long run. I got in about 09. Okay. And then that's I, still early. And then Marin early. started. Right. And then that's the entire history of podcasting. That's I think the that's history always... of podcasting. <laughs> you don't it's need to know anything else. <laughs> we got in early days of something that doesn't make a but doesn't make a living. Congratulations. And still hardly anybody knows about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're like, what is it? It's a radio? Is, is it, it on the radio? How's the radio show? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But anyhow, you you do the dork for us. And uh, that's where you kind of uh, have somebody on and what they're dorking out about. As right. you said, Al Madrigal. And the Reacher novels. And, uh, but I was listening to the new album, uh, I'm Not the Hero of This Story, right? Uh, that you've just put out, your new comedy album. And uh, on that, uh, not necessarily dorking out a lot, uh, other than a well-timed reference to the Terrigen Mists <laughs> of the Inhumans <laughs> right? that I always appreciate. Um, but what you talk about in there is a very uh, a lot of storytelling, mm-hmm. a lot of honesty, a lot about uh, you and growing up. As a child, maybe a little isolated, some sure. things that you may have retreated, but that there's a kind of pragmatic streak. You talk about your father, mm-hmm. uh, again, being pragmatic as yes. opposed to ideological. Right. But I came across that you are also pragmatic. I'm pretty pragmatic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I think it's probably for the best. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, there's... As opposed to other, I mean, I don't know what that means as far as like, to, as opposed to being super romantic. I'm not particularly romantic. Uh, <laughs> I would like to be more. I would. Uh, the best you can hope for me is in my pragmatism is that I'm thoughtful. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I am pragmatic, and I work on thoughtfulness yes, <laughs> because. Well. Uh, it isn't the most romantic, possibly. <laughs> Andy is much more romantic than I am, and that's lovely. But you read a lot of romance novels. I do and have read some over, romance over your novels. life, read a, a yes. lot of them, I imagine. Oh, and since the election, I've spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on romance novels in an effort to just check the fuck out on occasion. Sometimes we need to do that. Mm-hmm. Other times it is... Uh, can I swear, by the way? Because I just did. I you, don't know you, if you're familiar sure, with the F sure. word. You, you can. That was the one I just used. <laughs> that's right. and, uh, I don't work blue, but... <laughs> I'm happy if you... <laughs> what about the second show? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Once we do our second one. Um, and, and when you're talking about... Um, uh, well, this came up because, you know, I am... Um, I, I took a class with your friend Maria Bamford. Oh, yesterday, uh, uh, yeah. The other day, yes. And you're here doing shows with her. Right. And um, I, I want to ask about that, too. But uh, she mentioned you during the, the oh, workshop <laughs> because she was passing around the contracts that she has to do her shows. Oh, okay. And it was an interesting kind of moment of transparency. Look, this is the thing. You, you, you can ask for things. You, this is what yeah. it should be. I know that she needs a chicken Caesar in the green room. She enjoys <laughs> a chicken Caesar. <laughs> she mentioned and a couple times. And she took times. the chicken off of it last night. She was oh. like, I'm trying to be vegan. And I was like, I'm vegan in between eating meat. Because <laughs> I well, like vegetables. Sure. But... <laughs> I also enjoy meat's nice, uh, but one of the things she said about you uh, when you're setting up the gigs is that you have a foolproof plan when you don't want to do something, which oh. is you ask for something outlandish 
or a, a, a significant amount of money and then for something if you know you don't want to do it. Oh, never say no without a number. <laughs> there, 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 that's yeah. my dad's. Okay, so I was working on this bit about how, and then too many people came up to me and said, your dad, and when I say too many, I'm saying two. Two people came up and said, your dad kind of sounds like Trump. And I said, oh, oh did you want to get punched in the throat? Because uh, he's horrible and a creep. Yes. Uh, and my father it can be irritating. And that is uh, an different. entirely different thing. <laughs> so... Uh, he is often not the hero of his stories. But um, my father, I told my dad that I was doing a gig and I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And he said, what was the first thing I taught you? And I said, pick up other people's change. <laughs> and he <laughs> got mad and said, what the hell? And I said, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And he said, no, the first thing I taught you was never say no without a number. And I was like, that does sound familiar. What does it mean? And he goes, you don't say no. You say, I would love to do that, but I'm going to need. And then you pick a giant number. And so for me, that number, something I've never been paid uh, an, this amount of money to do a gig, was $11,000. This is easily twice as much as I've ever made for any gig ever. Yes. So you're supposed to say, well, that, oh, I would love to do that. I'm going to need $11,000. And then they say, we don't have $11,000. And then you say, well, thank you so much for thinking of me. Uh, if your budget goes up, continue to keep me in mind. But know that my prices are always rising. So uh, <laughs> That's a good it's uh, button. <laughs> such a great way to say, he said, you don't say no. You say, I'd love to do it. And then they say, oh, we can't do it. And then don't worry about it. Yeah. And I was like, that is great. So she did that uh, when she did the... Um, the University of Minnesota asked her if she would do their commencement speech. Oh, yes. And did you get to see that? Uh, it's I, on YouTube. Yeah, it's a very uh, stirring uh, speech. It's a stirring speech where she tells the story of how that's my father's advice, and she took it <laughs> because they said they weren't going to pay her at all. And she was like, well, that seems weird. Uh, why wouldn't you pay me at all? And they're like, well, we're a public institution. You know, we right. we, we have our, our funds are limited. We have to be very careful with our funds. And she's like, oh, is the football coach living? Check, check, check. I'm, I'm unfamiliar with how his, his right. day is going. And so then she asked for 20 grand. And they off, they did counter offered 10 grand. Mm -hmm. And she took it. Mm -hmm. And um, and then she at the end, spoiler alert, at the end of each, they, she also didn't know that she was doing two speeches. Oh. She thought she was doing one. Yeah. And uh, so she was just going to give the 10 grand to somebody who had student loans in the front row. And she ended up having, uh, giving five grand to each person in the front row who had student loans. So she just gave away the money. But, um, and then made a very funny line about how if she had really followed my father's advice, she would have had more money to give away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a that's a kind of form of dark magic, isn't it? It really it's be my father is full of dark magic. My father, eighty five percent of the time, he's a genius. <laughs> but you talk about uh, dorky kind of stuff that doesn't always go hand in hand with pragmatic fantasy, that kind of thing. Oh right, yeah yeah. I'm I'm definitely. I mean, my thing is is it's not. I don't know. Or maybe, is it? Maybe it's romantic. I mean, because it's it, there's pragmatism, but it's also. There's an idealism in my life that, like, I genuinely believe that people are good. Yeah. And I genuinely believe that we all have heroism in us. Like, we can stand up and we can be the hero of whatever. It's just a pain in the ass and hard and scary. And so 
like whenever I like I I try to I mean the great thing about fantasy books for me fantasy and, and science fiction and stuff like that and st- the coming of age story who doesn't love a coming of age story oh, yes. Ursula Le Guin the Earthsea trilogy <laughs> or you know any of it Star Wars all of that stuff right. is all coming of age stuff or like a rogue becomes a hero kind of thing Han Solo-y kind of moment and um I think so what what I learned from reading those books as a child and how it's affected me in my adulthood is that whenever I'm afraid of something, I try to face it. You know, Hmm. you face your fear. Did you ever see Defending Your Life? Albert Brooks. (laughs) It's one of my favorite films. It is one of the best movies (laughs) ever. It's one I could watch. Over I, and over and over again. I own it. I put it in. <laughs> I put it in. It's a great movie. It's, it's a, a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. And uh, so, but you got to face your fears. And so, um, whenever I, and I don't always do it. You know, like I don't always rise to my own, you know, dreams and hard to do uh, aspirations of being a good person, <laughs> dropping the ball regularly since 1965. Guys. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, um, but the. My heart's in the right place, so I'm trying. And that's, I think, all we can ask of anyone, right? That's true. That's true. (laughs) Well, uh, one of the things that uh, also came up through the album, and I think that we have in common, in addition to defending your life, and if you like that movie, this must be true, but is this um, mm, love of dark humor as well. And maybe inappropriate sometimes, or or just... Just super dark. Just sometimes something super sad. Yes. has to be, you have to shine a light on it. Yes. And it's hard, I think, for like, like I watch young comics, new comics who are coming up, who I saw the greatest open mic one time in Indianapolis where it was like five or six new comics and they were all, their lives were disasters. They were all, they could be the greatest comics in the world, you could tell because of how, what they had survived. And so sometimes we'll, humans will make a joke about something that they and what's funny to them about it is that they lived right <laughs> right <laughs> you're like well i lived you guys it's hilarious now because it was a disaster five years ago when i was almost beaten to death right. and the audience looks at you and go you were almost beaten to death and so the premise largely for- a, 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 an empathetic a sympathetic audience there to support you, right? There to beautiful. be supported, and when you tell them a story of of, of real horror and tragedy, they're with that. They right. want you to be okay. <laughs> you ha- right, and so that's why the premise is valid. Yes, you want to talk about rape? That's fine. You you want to talk about your your experience with. Um, Especially if it's your experience. My favorite rape jokes. Yes, please quote that. Please take that out of context. Uh, but my favorite rape jokes are the ones about how people deal with it yeah. in their own lives. It's usually not a throwaway line about the hilarity of rape. Yes. That's not my favorite. But if you want to joke about these very serious, very dark things, that's fine if you make them personal. There's two things that have to happen for me, for me, that for me to think they're funny. One, they have to be personal, and two, there better be a punchline, right? Because <laughs> yes, like we need was, some relief. I wish there was. I could. Re- it's it's almost not fair to, for me to quote this joke, but this woman was. It was so powerful. I wonder what the frick her name was. Um, she spoke of her rape. She got raped, yeah. and. Um, she went to the police, and the police uh, were said this. 
they were, she'd peppered this story with these amazing punchlines. And at one point, because the police said to her, well, you know, sometimes we make bad decisions and then we regret them afterwards. And then, so then we cry rape. And she said, no, no, I've made plenty of bad decisions. This isn't a bad decision. It's not like I went and saw uh, Maroon 5 and bought too many T-shirts. This is not that, this is not that level. I've done that. Uh, that, was a, that was a regrettable decision. Yes. And then, so there was, that was one of the punchlines. Another one of the punchlines is that after she had been raped, she, the clothes that she had been wearing she had just taken them off and thrown them in the corner of her room and had not been able to look at that room, not be able to look at that those clothes. And about a month later, she was looking <laughs> looking at them, and she was like, I'm going to let this guy rape me and take away the only pants that make my ass look good? Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. And so then she reclaimed her pants. Yes. And take back the pants. <laughs> and uh, it was such a great punchline. It had so much power to it, you yes. know, where you were like, Please do that, you know. And um, I've heard guys talk about, like, there was one guy who said, "What was his joke? It was, it was something." No, I think I tagged it anyway. But it was like <laughs> always helping. <laughs> it was, but he was talking about how he had a really good friend that, and they shared a room, and they were making out furiously, furiously, and they were hammered, and they were hammered, they were making out, and then she passed out, and then he didn't rape her. And then he was congratulating himself because he didn't rape her. <laughs> and I was like, you don't get a trophy. No. There's no trophy for not raping someone. That's, that's uh, right. And then, because one time I took care of my sister's kids for three days. And my nine-year-old nephew, nine-month-old nephew, had an uh, earache for the entire three nights. A poor kid. And I was so sad. And, you know, my his sister was three. He was nine months. And I took care of these kids for three days. And um, with, by the way, I could drop them off at daycare. So, I mean, I'm not the hero. Of, I mean, it was, <laughs> I wasn't parenting. Right. And uh, <laughs> so, but at the end of it, I said to my sister, I said, I, you know, I didn't shake a baby. I didn't yell at a kid. And she was like, yeah, yeah, that's why we asked you. You right. don't get a plaque. <laughs> There's no you, trophy you, for not shaking our baby. <laughs> you behaved as expected. <laughs> right. You were good. Per yeah. It's, uh, You've met the bare minimum <laughs> of the human experience. <laughs> the human experience. It's like when somebody posted the, this thing on Facebook, they said, they keep calling it anti-fascist uh, protests, the anti-fascist. It was like, those are just people. Right. Those are that's the default. That's right. That's our, that's where we should start. <laughs> that's not. Uh, One shouldn't have to rise to that. Could be an anti-fascist. That's such a weird way to put that. Oh gosh, the whole thing is. But uh, anyway. But so, yes. but I yeah. But so my bit, like yes. I do that bit on Horcrux, the last album. Yeah. Uh, this will make an excellent Horcrux. Was the name of my last album. Yes. Also critically acclaimed, uh, and uh, and it's in it because that was the first. Like I have four albums, right? Yep. Circus People uh, is probably has to be fourteen years ago. No, no, it's eighteen years ago. Long time. Yeah. Ninety nine. I think I put Circus People out. Maybe yeah, because two thousand three was Bread. Uh, it's never going to be Bread, and then. No. Whatever. I think Circus People's 2003, Bread was 2007, Horcrux was uh, like 2010 or 2011, and then this this one. I don't know what it is. But it's been who some cares? time. Yes. Uh, but Circus People <laughs> was much more just straight stand-up, 
more story still storytelling and super and fun i think but bread was sort of a remake of this album that i made the 90s uh so like 20 minutes of that is super old material ah. it was why bread was uh as well received as it was because it was genuinely like it was like chris rocks to some extent chris rocks first special uh-huh. was 10 years of his act which is why it's amazing. Right. And then the next year, he had his next special, but it was one year of his act, right. and they had hired writers. <clears throat> but he couldn't, you can't, you cannot recreate 10 years of work in one year. Right. So, Bread was also, was really good, and I, I'm, prou- I'm proud of all of it. It's fine. But uh, Horcrux was the first one that was personal and uh-huh. kind of dark. And there was, there's, a, there's a track on Horcrux called Sexual Healing, and it's about how I never, never had I had not having sex with my husband was the most sex I had ever had with the same person ever. Yes. And once you have sex with the same person a lot, you end up trying different stuff that because you have trust, right? Sure. And yeah. when you have that kind of trust, you might end up in a situation where you get poked in a way that reminds you of a <laughs> negative sexual experience because not all of my sexual experiences have been positive. Yeah. I used to ride the bus a lot. Oh, oh my. Uh, so uh, no one's policing the bus, you guys. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, watch children. Make sure children are being, yep. not being yep. molested on the yep. bus. Anyway, so... Um, so... Uh, and in that moment, I... You have to make a decision as as a person who is crying during sex, uh, as a woman anyway, as me, uh, which was you can lie there stoically uh, while he ruts like it's a Dickens novel, or you could talk to him like a person who wants you to have a good time, because he does. Almost everybody wants everyone to have a good time during sex. It's the way it goes. Even one night stand guys were like... Did you have fun? Because I'm never calling you, but I hope it was fun. Right. I'm leaving. And it was just that kind of thing. But anyway, so it uh, there was this whole LARPing thing. So we did a live-action role-play of my se- bad sexual experience to sort of take back the night. Oh, yes, yes. And, and so that was like the first kind of super dark... Um, like, I've had women come up to me afterwards and say that they that they were psyched that I talked about it. More do that. And then I've had a couple women who are like, hey... Uh, never talk about that uh, because uh, I was sexually abused and I don't ever want to remember that. <laughs> I was like, um, it's stand-up comedy. You're going to have to hear some guy talk about bitches. Uh, so you might as well hear me talk about my weird LARPing experience. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. <laughs> That's right. Maybe You've chosen they, to come to a comedy club. They can club. always skip the track if yeah. they need to do that. Right. Take a lap. Go <laughs> go down. And get yourself an adult beverage out well, of the room. You also mentioned, uh, and this uh, current one about uh, the, that propensity, though, to also laugh at funerals. Um, and, oh, right, and the grief, the grief, the grief bit. thing, and it's it's it is a, a again another point of um, a commonality, I think, because uh, sometimes the funeral is just ridiculous, and the the aspects of that, you know, you have the guy that's when you go to get the coffin and. Hello there, how are you? Uh, you know, we trying. could go with the pine box, or we encourage you to go with the Cadillac of the coffin. You know, we upselling you on the thing. It's it's what difference does it make? Right. But it's a it's a weird. My wife's uh, grandmother passed. She was I don't know 117. So right. make room for the rest of us. Right. It was not time. a career cut tragically <laughs> short. <laughs> no. And the 
ceremony was held in a mega church. She belonged to one of these mega churches. Now, a mega church is fine if you're there on a Sunday and it's 3,000 people and there's basketball nets and video screens. <laughs> but when there's 20 people in a casket, that's like being at Costco after hours. You know, there's it's just a big empty. Okay, room. there's nothing sadder than the fact that she went to a mega church and freaking 20, or even if 100 people were there, it's uh, not there, enough. 3,000 people should be there. If it's you, not it should be mandatory if you belong to a mega church that you have to go to everybody's funeral. Yes, this is BS. This is true. I call BS on <laughs> And well they had a her favorite song was performed by this fella who Very was, lovely. you know, the son of the minister or something. Now the minister's probably in his 70s, so this guy was um 50s. 50s. Yeah. And it greased hair and the mustache. He looked like he walked off of a used lot from 1982, <laughs> you know. And when he opened his voice to sing the song, do you remember the first time you heard Jim Neighbors sing? And that kind of like, oh my gosh, that guy with the funny voice has a beautiful atonal. voice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, he has a decent, like Jim yeah, Neighbors, no, okay. Yeah, yeah. This was the, like kind of the reverse. He had a decent speaking voice, and his sound was like Aaron Neville had swallowed a bag of gravel. <laughs> it was so shocking Aww. and weird. Bummer. And he sang, it was a long song, and I'd lost it. I just started cracking up. <laughs> And uh, my wife Which, was comforting me because I was crying until she realized I was yeah, laughing. And yeah. then, th then that was over. Yeah. I'll tell you something. You can't cry at somebody else's grandmother's funeral. You can't laugh at somebody else's grandmother's funeral. You could only – I was sitting there. That Andy came to my – my stepmother passed away. I was very sad. And so we went to the funeral, and um, <clears throat> a couple of my brothers showed up, which was nice of them, for our stepmother. <laughs> a couple of my brothers did not show up, and one of my brothers never even acknowledged it. Huh. Uh, but and that's fine. Uh, it's uh, I better better to to be honest about the whole thing. That's so right. we all uh, process in different ways. Yes, we do. And so, um, and neither of my brothers stayed for the wake. My sister stayed because I stayed, and my husband stayed because I stayed, and my sister's wife didn't come, and um, and. It was, but all of my stepmother's family was there, and they are as a everyone except for one. I love one of my aunts. The rest of them have swallowed a, a fucking lemon, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to kill you myself. And so I lasted as long as I could during the wake. Yeah, and I was like, and we were not, and she raised us. I mean, she fixed our lives, and we were not asked to be any part of this of the ceremony or the service or anything like that. And I was like, well, I don't. It's sort of like when you're asked to be in somebody's wedding, you're like, well, I don't actually want to be in your wedding. I don't want to be in anyone's <laughs> wedding. Uh, with my best friends, I was like, I'll be in charge of making people sign the book. Can I just be in charge of making people sign the book? I made my sister be my best, my maid of honor, uh -huh. um, which I was like, you can say no. It doesn't matter. And Andy had like five guys who were all his, his he, had, he had more like a, a, like a, like it was more of a hen party. Like he had like the, like a, what are they, bridesmaids? He kind of, yes. He had men. He had many men. Groomsmen, I Groomsmen. think they're called. That's yes. it. Thank yes. you for finding yes. the word. <laughs> I just said Darla, and uh, and Darla was great. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's no, gonna be, it's gonna be fine. She had the strength of five men. <laughs> she had the strength of five men. She is five feet tall, and she could take them all. Yeah. But um, but so I lasted in the wake. I and I say this, I think, on the album, but. The funeral was so freaking weird. Her sister 
one of her sisters was kind of bad mouthing her before the wake. And I was like, mm-hmm. she is three feet away from you. If you could leave her alone uh, at this point. And then her brother <laughs> right. asked me, because I changed the obituary. He asked me to update the obituary. So I, I put a joke in about how great she was. Sure. And he said that it added $300 to the obituary. <laughs> and so he wanted $300 from me at the wake. And I was like, I don't even have a handbag. Did you think I kept it in my in my bra like I was somebody's, I don't know, weird grandmother? Um, was it a good joke? Was it a $300 joke? $300 joke. And well, and, and the other thing is, is he was like, he he had paid for the, the her brother had taken the money from my stepmother's bank account and paid for the funeral and but he said uh he, he wanted to discuss he genuinely just wanted to discuss how much the funeral was and how much these things were and i said aren't you gonna meet my brother and talk about all this money and we're all gonna pitch in and we're gonna split it and he was like whatever isn't left over from nancy's money and um and he was like it was 300 dollars, and i was like i don't have to talk to russ and add that to the total and i will give you money and so those two things happen before the wake and then we sit down for the wake and all of a sudden her other sister comes out in giant robes and a huge crucifix on a on a chain like mega church crucifix around her neck and i looked at it and i looked at my husband and i looked at my sister and i was like oh we're we're gone now uh, can we leave? And they both go, yes, with alacrity. Uh, that's right. Uh, by the way, I've only seen that word uh, p- uh, printed. Yes. And I used to think it was alacrity or something. Like I literally, someone was like, it's alacrity, Jackie. And so quickly we rose and walked the fuck out. And I always thought that's when Nancy would have left. She might have left probably a half an hour, 45 minutes earlier right. before the service started. But she was trapped in that box uh, moments away from us. Right. I was like, oh. man, I, lo- I loved her. I love I love her. Yeah. She's great. You know, she raised me. She she but she would have laughed so hard at how completely ridiculous she would have been like. I know. Just wrap it up, you guys. Because <laughs> she was so smart and so funny. I get my father, I get my stand-up from my father in many ways. I get my yeah. timing and sort of brashness, you know, sort of the attitude. But I get, I think, my sense of humor from Nancy Cation. Because she was incredibly smart and uh, just really was great. Anyway, so... Well, we honor them both, mm-hmm. and uh, you continue to do that in your work, and Thank life you. is weird. How we end it is weird. Mm-hmm. How we go out is weird. You can't help but laugh sometimes, yeah. especially as the world spins out of control. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, history is, it'll it'll keep going, with or without us. Don't That's worry about true. it. That's true. That is true. It's going to be fine, you guys. Age that, of Empire, it ends. The, don't sweat it. That's right. And we will find some distractions. We will run to it when yes. we have to. Um, we have a comics villain in the White House, so our training reading <laughs> comics is helpful. Um, uh, well, uh, that's all the time we have, Jackie. Thank God. Um, but we've, it's we've been done, so we've lovely. We've done some good work. We've done you good think? work. You're going to be doing some more shows, but that will be this will have uh, this will happen long after that, and you will probably have done many other shows sure. in the intervening time. Um, uh, it was so great to talk to you at length, Jackie. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for, for me. being here. The album can be found on your website. On my website, if you want a hard copy. Uh, otherwise, you can get it uh, iTunes, Amazon. 
um, and everywhere. it's everywhere, and you can stream it on on everything for free if you want. Pandora, and Amazon Prime. Oh my! Uh, Jackiecation.com though. Jackiecation.com or FamilyPetAncestry.com, <laughs> which I bought because it made me laugh, <laughs> and I pointed it at Jackiecation.com. <laughs> oh, that's terrific! Thank you so much, Jackie, for joining me in the deep night. Oh, I always enjoy getting back to the deep night. It's a place I sure feel comfortable. Also awkward and full of doubts, so there's that too. But my thanks to Jackie for joining me, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you feel as if there's uh, anything I didn't cover with Jackie, I know we were we were a little bit pressed for time, so there was I, I could talk to her endlessly, and I hope that we have another chance to do so. Uh, the tenth season now it's off and running. Here we go. I do hope you'll enjoy what we're discovering out there. Come to a live show. Subscribe to us on iTunes. I'm going to also be at the Hell Yes Festival in New Orleans uh, in November, so come on see see me down there. You can also drop me a line through the Psychic Hotline or on Twitter or email or fax, whatever works for you. Today's lucky numbers are 3, 8, and 3 again. Personalized horoscope this week goes out to Katie Heron in uh, Ketchum, Tennessee. Katie, I think you should follow this advice. You can. It seems like you're not really committing to this, but you, yeah, of course you could do that. And remember, folks, although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is brought to you by Jameson Spirit Cleanser, the original prairie-grade sage that you can burn whenever things start making noises in your walls. Or a spirit appears at the foot of your bed wearing 18th century sailing regalia. Deep Night is independently produced and performed by James Bewley. Deep Night Season 10 podcast image by artist Kelsey Roten. Deep Night Season 10 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the season provided by the talented roster of Howler Hills Farm. The Deep Night Podcast can be found on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on Apple Podcasts, where we kindly ask you to subscribe and then leave a rating or a review. Once again, thank you for listening.